Are you still getting this type of a request? I thought this went away a long time ago. Are you still getting a request to do something that you don't know really if you should do or not? And man, that could fall under the umbrella of a lot of different kind of requests. So maybe we'll, uh, we'll have a couple of podcasts on this topic. Unusual or atypical request for the appraiser. But I'm just wondering, you as the appraisal practitioner, are you still getting requests to appraise part of a very large tract? I know personally, I used to get those all the time, but I haven't gotten one in quite a while. In other words, you get a call, the client or the agent on behalf of the client says, this is a house on 60 acres, but we just want you to appraise the house in five acres. How do you handle that? Can you do it? And even if you can do it, Should you do it? Let's talk about it. Hi, this is Brian Reynolds, your host. You're listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast, brought to you by the very fine folks over at Appraiser eLearning. Listen, if you haven't had any classes from Appraiser eLearning, please check it out. Uh, We go way out of our way to try to make those classes fun. And yes, he might be able to be fun. Uh, so check out Appraiser eLearning. We have both online classes and now virtual classes. So check it out. I think it will be worth your time and investment. So let's get into the weeds here. Talk about this. Uh, hey, I want five acres. I know the house is on 60 acres or 40 acres or 20 acres or whatever it is. And sometimes maybe the client isn't asking you to do something wrong. I mean, maybe they think, hey, appraiser, I acknowledge that it's probably going to be hard or impossible to find comparable sales of other houses on 60 acres or 40 acres. You know, it's probably more likely that you're going to have more selection of sales of houses on smaller tracks, five acres, three acres, seven acres, whatever it might be. So maybe they're not trying to get you to do something you shouldn't do or when I say shouldn't do shouldn't you do it can you do it I don't know let's explore it a little bit let's look at USPAP right USPAP Uniform Standards of Professional Appraisal Practice that is indeed our minimum requirements as an appraiser in most instances right The reason we have to comply with uh, USPAP, the driving force of USPAP is, I call it CARL, (laughs) C-A-R-L. It's on page one. I don't have it in front of me, but it's on page one of USPAP, right, in the preamble. And in a nutshell, what it says is that you have to comply with USPAP when either you choose to, right, CARL, choice, agreement, regulation, or law, right? That's the driving force of USPAP. Remember, the Appraisal Foundation is a nonprofit organization. They are not a governmental agency. 
They are indeed a nonprofit organization. They're a board that consists of other boards. USPAP in and of itself has no authority over you. How does it achieve its authority or why do you have to adhere to it? Good old Carl, Choice Agreement Regulation Law. That gives it its authority, I, I, I think is how we could say that. So if we look at the USPAP document, I'm going to jump over to page 269 of the current edition, and it's a question. And the question 197 says, appraising a physical segment, five-acre portion. A lender has asked me to appraise only a five-acre portion of a 62-acre parcel. Am I permitted to comply with this request? Well, the response uh, doesn't say yes or no. <laughs> it says standard rule 1-2E Roman numeral 5 states that the subject of an assignment may be a physical segment of a property. However, appraisers must also comply with any laws, regulation, guidelines, or other assignment conditions that might apply. If the assignment requires compliance with published assignment conditions, the appraiser must be aware of those and basically comply. So we're going we're gonna to get into that in a minute. But assuming you didn't have any law, regulation, or guideline, it says Standard Rule 1-2E5 states that the subject of the assignment may be a physical segment of the property. So I guess what that means is, yeah, you could do it. Unless you have another condition saying you can't. Now, here's the challenge that we run into this. And again, we're talking USPAP. This is all USPAP right now. I'll get to some other stuff in a minute. But if you look at page 17 of your USPAP, and that is binding, right? That would be binding. Frequently asked questions are merely advice. And it's pretty good advice. I'm not discounting it. It comes from the foundation, after all. But what you're held accountable is USPAP. And USPAP is the first 58 pages of the document. The first 58 pages is binding. I tell my students in USPAP class all the time, get intimately familiar with the first 24 pages. If you're a real property appraiser, it doesn't, doesn't matter if you're residential or commercial. I don't care if you're residential or commercial. The first 24 pages. It's standard one, standard two, and everything before it. If you're doing real property appraisals, I don't care the intended use. I don't care if it's commercial or residential. If you're doing real property appraisal, you need to be intimately familiar with the first 24 pages of USPEP. Standard 1, Standard 2. Standard 1 is the appraisal, the development. Standard 2 is the report. It's the manner in which you communicate the results of the appraisal to your client. And then the pages before that's all those rules, remember? The ethics rule, the competency rule, the scope of work rule, record-keeping rule, jurisdictional exception rule, right? All those rules. And then before that, of course, we have the definitions, which are binding, and we have the preamble, which is binding, okay? If you do appraisal review, you've got a, some more pages you got to look at. you got to look at standard three and standard four, okay? 
And if you want to look at the whole document, look at the whole document. But in particular right now, let's go to page 17. And we're going to look at standard rule 1-2E. So the FAQ said basically you could do it if other entities are telling you you can't. But part of what your minimum requirement is this, 1-2-E. Identify from sources the appraiser reasonably believes to be reliable the characteristics of the property that are relevant to the type and definition of value and the intended use. What are the characteristics of the property? What is the size of the property? And if you're going to do a part, which again, Roman numeral five does say, whether the subject property is a fractual interest, physical segment, or partial holding. But what five acres? You got a house on 60 acres. What flipping five acres are you talking about? And does it matter? I mean, what if you're talking about the five acres, the house of the five acres going back in a backward direction, has no road frontage? Or are we talking about five acres to the side of the house? Or five acres going out to the front road that end up, does include road frontage? Does it include the pond? Does it include the barn? I mean, what five acres are you talking about? You better be able to describe what five acres you're talking about. Could it make a difference? Yeah, what if it's a, a triangular site? Or what if it's a circle? The lot is a circle around the house. That's five acres I'm talking about. Well, that may very well have diminished value. So proceed with caution is what I would say. But before you proceed with caution, let's take another look. If you're doing this for Fannie, let's look at what Fannie Mae says. Site analysis. And I'm looking right at the selling guide under B4, B is for, uh, B4 is underwriting the property. And keep in mind, the appraisal guideline falls under origination. So it's a selling guide and it's underwriting the property. And keep in mind that these appraisal guidelines really are not for the appraiser. They're the underwriter's guidelines, okay? Site analysis. The appraisal must include the actual size of the site and not a hypothetical portion of the site for the subject property. For example, the appraiser may not, guys, please listen to this. The appraiser may not appraise only five acres of an unsubdivided 40 acre parcel. The appraised value must reflect the entire 40-acre parcel. So if you get that request, you get that call from that lender, that AMC, wanting you to do five acres of the 60-acre property, or the house and five acres of the 40-acre parcel, or the house and five acres of the 20-acre property, you can't do it. If it's ultimately going to Fannie, Fanny's very clear. We want the whole thing. We want the house in 40 acres. So maybe that is more of a challenging assignment. Maybe you withdraw from it. Maybe you charge more money. You do whatever you need to do. 
you still have to adhere and get credible assignment results. You got to create a report that's not misleading. But you're going to have some real problems if you do a house in five acres when it's really a house on 40 acres and it's for secondary market purposes. Although maybe USPEP would allow you in other circumstances, it said very clearly if it's an assignment condition, you better, you know, pull back on the reins there a little bit, boss. Okay. So again, I don't know if you're still getting these types of requests or not. I, uh, I had a couple of conversations with some students recently and, uh, and also a colleague because he got a call about doing a house on 65 acres and they wanted it on the URA and he's like, whoa, 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 come on. The typical buyer is not somebody that's going to buy this house and live in it. I mean, this is, this is not a single family property per se. This is more of a property that, that's going to be for development purposes or for hunting. I just drove out and looked at a property that was 60 acres. When I showed it to the prospective buyer, he said, well, the first thing I'd do is sell this manufactured home, just rip it off of here. Right, because he's looking at this, he is going to buy it and plant some trees. He's getting in the Christmas tree business. I was looking at it, and I said, well, Danny, man, if I had a little money right now, I'd buy this sucker. Well, I'm not going to move into it. That'd be where I'd hunt, right? So if you got the assignment to appraise that, and if Danny and I both represented the typical buyer, you'd be missing the boat on that because it's not – a house with 60 acres that somebody's going to utilize it as a primary residence. I mean, he's going to get that, that manufactured home off immediately. I'm going to use it as a weekend hunting place and maybe sleep there on the weekend if I needed to, right? But I'm not going to move in and live there. We're going to use that for, I would be using it for recreational purposes. He would be using it for a tree farm. And there's three other prospective buyers right now. It's probably already sold. But I feel really good that none of those three are going to move in there and make that their personal residence. It's not going to be a single-family residential property. It's going to be used for something else. So then that opens up the door of highest and best use analysis, right? And boy, that's another podcast. <laughs> so again, I just wanted to take a moment and uh, visit with you and say, be careful if you're getting the request. Hey, we need five acres of the 40-acre parcel. If it's for secondary market purposes, you can't do it. It's very clear, okay? Fannie Mae wants the house in 40 acres. That's how you'd have to proceed on that. Um, if it's non-secondary market, I, I guess maybe you could do that, but proceed with caution. It's a tricky assignment. you got to be very careful. You have to describe the facts. Hey, it's a house on 40 acres. I've been asked to do the house on five acres. Now I have to try to illustrate what five acres I'm opining a value on, right? So it's, it's going to be a really tricky or complex assignment, in my opinion, and, uh, and I'd try and steer clear. I think I've done one in my career like that, and uh, I actually felt pretty good about it because it was a property owner who, uh, who had just brought gravel in <laughs> from the street and they brought the gravel all the way back, right? So I knew, I knew the, the entire track, but they wanted the house and five acres or house and four, whatever it was. So what I did is I took the frontage, used all the frontage, and then I used parallel lines going back to whatever whatever number, right? I knew about how, what, how far it was 
uh, from the road, their house set back because they had just put gravel in and they told me the approximate amount. And so we went past that. And, and that's what I identified as far as the characteristics of what we were developing the opinion of value on. But I do not do those on a regular basis, and I'd steer clear of those. You've got to be able to adequately identify the characteristics of the property. In this case, if it's a house and five acres, well, where are those five acres at, right? You have to clearly identify that. And USPEP gives you some language on, on some things that you can do with uh, identifying what you're appraising. Does the appraiser may use any combination of a property inspection, documents such as a legal description, address, map reference, copy of a survey or map, property sketch, photographs, or any other information to identify the relevant characteristics of the subject property. Okay? So anyway, be careful out there. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you're staying busy. I hope uh, you're taking a break or a mini vacation, if you will, once in a while. Uh, you've been listening to the Appraisal Update Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Reynolds. If you'd like to be on the program or if you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or analyze or dissect, uh, give us a, a shout. Give us a call. Give us an email. Uh, you can uh, email brian at appraiserelearning.com. And we will try and include you on a future uh, episode or at least try and cover the topic that you would like to have discussed. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, please be safe, enjoy yourself, and happy appraising. The Appraisal Update Podcast is brought to you by Appraiser E-Learning.